Producer's note. This episode contains discussions of sexual assault by clergy and child sex abuse by clergy. Listener discretion is advised. This is a Dauntless Media Collective podcast. Visit dauntless.fm for more content. Okay, we're recording. And we're back. Do we yeah, remember how back. to do this stuff? Yeah. It's been a long time. Let's put the microphone here. <laughs> and then... It feels so weird to be doing this. I know. <laughs> Man, it's been a lot... You're still here. Yeah. They're still listening to us, Nate. Are you sure? Yeah. You're sure we're not just talking into the void? <laughs> I, know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys, yeah. for sticking... I guess if you're subscribed to us, or maybe you've been on Facebook seeing us put up posts about stuff coming up, mm-hmm. you saw little hints that we were going to be coming out yeah. with an episode. Oh, um, happy new year. Mer- Merry, cr- <laughs> Merry belated Christmas, Christ- uh, yeah. whatever holiday, Kwanzaa, yeah. Hanukkah, it's a lot of holidays. Yeah, whatever, whatever you celebrate, if you celebrate anything. If you don't, hope you've had a nice break somewhere. If you had a break, hopefully you had a hopefully. break. Oh man. This is, a, this is a tough time of year for some people. So, it is. Yeah. And, uh, we're, we're, we're here to bring you some good cheer, I think. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> You know, or we're just, you know, sometimes it's just sitting with someone in their pain and that is enough. And that is actually a beautiful Mm -hmm. thing to do. And I think, yeah, this episode ties in. Yeah. So it's been a while since we've um, put an episode out. um, As you'll find out later on, this episode was recorded a long time ago. We just haven't had a chance to sit down and get to editing because life has gotten in the way. (laughs) I mean, not just the holidays between two countries and a lot of driving back and forth uh, before the holidays we had. We had life. Yeah. Just, just work got really busy for me. Yep. Um, yeah. With Thanksgiving, your pre-Christmas going on in the with state. With your Thanksgiving. Yeah. And even before that. Canadian Thanksgiving. Canadian Thanksgiving yeah. happens in October. But yeah, so we've just, we've just been... Yeah, we've uh, a lot. And this is a hobby for us. We don't do this as a job, right. but we do it because we love it. Right. And so when we take breaks, we want to encourage you to whatever projects you go, got going on in your life. And mm-hmm. if in any ways you're serving others and it's not your career... And then you start to feel pressure of like, well, people depend on me for this. Yeah. Take care of yourself. Step back where you need to. From, yeah. Don't make your hobbies become burdens or pressures. And that's what we like yeah. to do with this podcast is we want it yeah. to f- come from our heart. When we have the energy and the time to pour into it, that's when we mm-hmm. do. So feel free to just keep sending us your encouragement. We definitely love the feedback. We like yeah. to know that you what you're enjoying, what you want to hear us mm-hmm. talk about, any suggestions. Yeah. So yeah, shoot us, shoot us messages on Facebook, Instagram, maybe Twitter if you really want to. We're, we're barely on Twitter. And now yeah. that Elon Musk owns Twitter, I don't know that we're really gonna even gonna be using it anymore. So <laughs> screw that. Um, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. There are still some people I like to chat with on Twitter. So mm-hmm. um, yeah. Oh, and Discord too. You know, send us. Um, yes. Yeah. We've got the Dauntless FM Discord that's yeah. active uh, in our Dauntless Scott has yeah. been going on with chapel probation while a lot of us yes. have been on break. And we appreciate, I've yeah. loved Scott stuff. Yeah. That. Us t- me too. I say us too. I have too. Been listening to it together <laughs> in the car rides as we've yeah. been driving. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, um, hit us up in any of those platforms, send us messages, what you, uh, what you think we should talk about. We've got some ideas coming up for season two, uh, some new topics and guests lined up that we are excited to share with you. Um, but we do have a few other ideas for the end of season one that we want to put out there. So who knows when these things are going to happen. They'll, they'll happen. Yeah. Um, we took know, one break. We might take another we break. Take another Be break. patient with us. You know. We might start season two right after ending season one and then take a break sometime in the middle of season two. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, we'll see how it all, we'll how it all goes. Here. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so today's episode, we're going to be talking about Hillsong. Yeah. If you saw the title, you probably mm-hmm. know already. 
Um, Speaking of sitting in with you in your misery, yes. We're <laughs> talking about carving out space for those who are having a hard time during the holiday. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I know we talk about Hillsong a lot on this podcast, even though we're not a Hillsong centric podcast. Well, you were there. Yeah. You were a service producer at Hillsong for, for quite a few yeah. years. Um, in New York. Right, right. Um, at Well, at the, the New Jersey location. And yeah, so that's one of the reasons that we cover Hillsong a lot. Um, I think another reason that we cover Hillsong a lot is that evangelicalism is sort of one of the big topics, if not the big topic of our podcast. Mm -hmm. And Hillsong is sort of the brand name um, of evangelicalism. Even if you weren't part of a Hillsong church or a Hillsong adjacent church, you probably sang their songs in your church services. Yeah. Um, I know lots of non-Hillsong people who are uh, wanting to know news on Hillsong and mm -hmm. are fascinated with this and wanting to talk about it and wanting to listen to information because... Even if their church wasn't a Hillsong church, there was connections. Yeah. I even know people where their churches sent their kids to Hillsong Bible College or uh, Hillsong College. Hillsong College, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of connections. Yeah. Whether oh, it's the music, totally. Bible College, they're, like you said, they were, they were a brand name. Yeah. They were a big part of evangelicalism, and that's why we talk about it. And I think because of the, the years that I spent um, at Hillsong, I made some friends along the way who have all, as well, since left Hillsong, and through those friendships, forged new friendships and you've heard some of their voices on our podcast whether old friends or new friends that we made just through um networking through our podcast um which has been cathartic and healing in a lot of ways to be able to share those experiences uh talk about our experiences with um with some people who have who have the scars similar scars yeah it's been it's been something i mean um We've had Noemi from Boston, uh, Janice and Lizeth from New York, West too, West from New York. New York as well. Yeah. So, and actually some of those names, at least half of them have actually been a part of another podcast we started listening yeah, to. Yeah. So um, we started listening recently to um, the Discovery Plus podcast, Hillsong, A Megachurch Shattered, which I think is, is sort of the companion podcast to the big documentary series that they put out. And so far, I've really great. enjoyed it. We just started it because we've been doing so much holiday travel. Mm-hmm. And we just, uh, I think because one of our friends was in it, we listened yeah. to that episode. And, oh, we got to we gotta keep going. Yeah. And then we heard another one of our friends yeah. who we also interviewed on, on our podcast. And yeah. You'll hear some familiar voices if you check it out. Mm-hmm. But we recommend it. It's, Absolutely. Uh, I think, you know, we started off our first episode on talking about Christianity Today's coverage of Mars Hill and how we thought they did a bad job. <laughs> Yeah. And why we thought they did a bad job. And, and people still get angry at us for covering that. But yeah. we think it's important to have an outside voice sometimes. Um, yeah. you know. And we don't mean outside voice like somebody who's never experienced evangelicalism talking about evangelical culture. Yeah, that's not necessarily what you need. In, in some cases, it might be. But I think ultimately what you need, whether an insider or an outsider, is somebody who is letting the story be told by the people who suffered by the by the mm-hmm. victims and that's one of the uh, one of the major issues that we had with uh, the rise and fall of Mars Hill um, was that Christianity today was kind of focusing on what they thought were the issues why they thought the church fell apart and they were getting voices um, whether inside or outside of people who weren't the primary victims of Mark Driscoll and Mars Hill Church yeah, and and you can't get over the fact, or I can't move past the fact that Christianity Today is, and speaking of Hillsong being an evangelical brand name, mm-hmm. Christianity Today is an evangelical brand name. Yeah, that's their audience; those are their people. And to critique the thing that they are doesn't make sense. They're not yeah. gonna. They're not gonna really. They're gonna have a narrative that fits with evangelicalism. Yeah, and if evangelicalism plays a part in what happened at Mars Hill, that can't get touched. Right, and right. that's what I enjoyed about the Discovery Plus. 
uh, podcast is it wasn't they weren't needing to protect evangelicalism right. or uphold the evangelical narrative as being oh it's not evangelicalism that's really the problem it's just this dude Mars you know Mark Driscoll in Mars Hill he was the right. issue they didn't need to do any of that it was just mm-hmm. let's follow this where it yeah. leads yeah let's unpack it we'll talk to the people who were harmed mm-hmm. we'll we'll let them tell their stories yeah and yeah I think that's that's uh, what's most important when it comes to telling this uh, the stories of these these churches that that have harmed people and continue to harm people. There was one thing that stood out to both of us on one episode, Dalali, who was um, a former Hillsong NYC video producer. um, She shared her thoughts on uh, what it's been like uh, leaving Hillsong. And something that she said really resonated with us, particularly why the music is so triggering. Like, I mean, for, for her, she was involved in the Hillsong engine for, a, a large part of her life, having been at Hillsong Paris uh, and then moving to New York City and, and being a part of uh, launching Hillsong NYC. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, Hillsong, even being a part of my childhood, it was sort of the rebellious part of my childhood because I wasn't <laughs> allowed to listen to that, that kind of music. That shows your background. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but it was still a big part of my upbringing. You know, Darlene Check. Shout to the Lord. Who doesn't remember um, that? Yeah. And then after I left fundamentalism, you know, Brooke Frazier, Hosanna, um, those the, those songs that became the soundtrack for our faith. And I sang those songs and devoted myself to the message that was being put in those songs. Right. And everything, my my volunteerism, my career, you know, working in, in church to ministry. Work, to work as yeah. a children's pastor. Like all of these things... I, I devoted so much of myself to this thing that I then discover to be toxic and mm-hmm. destructive uh, and painful and harmful for so many. And I think that's where so much of the pain lies. That's what Dalali was saying, yeah. right? That part, me and you both paused yeah. and had like our own side conversation just on that note right. of why it's so triggering so to triggering. hear that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and we even notice it at Christmas time when we're listening to Christmas songs that, you know, have songs, lyrics about Jesus, and then we'll hear the same song by a contemporary Christian music artist or an evangelical, and then the, hear it from a non-Christian artist, and it's different. Like, there's something that is so much more painful, and, and, and it hits you, yeah. right? And, like, somewhere in the feels when it's yeah. when it's a Christian yeah. evangelical. And it's not just the the quality. Of- it's not just that the sound quality of the Christian music is a little subpar. It's also yeah. knowing how we were involved in that, and, mm-hmm. and how much, you know, when we talk about evangelicalism, it's not from a bitter place. It's not right. from a, we hate evangelical place. It really is... We love these people. They're still in our lives. We understand what it is to want to be a part of something good. And some people who listen maybe are still evangelicals and are starting to get a sense that something is is off. Maybe the damage is starting to surface a bit in their experiences and they're trying to make sense of it. And some of you are, are out of those environments, but still processing, mm-hmm. still trying to heal and piece together. What the frick was all of that? What did <laughs> yeah. you just come out of? We're still there. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. years later, we're still in the, pro- I mean, it's been years, yeah. but we're processing still as we're watching things collapse and we care. Yeah. We're not talking about this like, haha, look at, look at, yes, look at the downfall of another evangelical church. We hate this group. No, it's, it's, we know what it is to be on the inside and to yeah. sincerely devote our time to it and to care. Yeah. And part of our, our gift of love and healing personally is to continue to talk about yeah. the problems that we didn't see when we were in it, maybe help other people be able to unpack mm-hmm. some of that pain yeah. and to sit with you and go, no, you're not nuts. Yeah. You know, you're not, this, this really did happen. Yeah. And it was, it was confusing. Yeah. It makes sense that you didn't see it while you were in it. 
And, and speaking of uh, someone who was in it, today's guest, well, the guest on today's episode, um, like I said previously, we did record this one a long time ago, and we're yeah. finally getting it we're out. We're behind, guys. But, I mean, the timing is is sort of perfect, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. But our guest um, in today's episode is Tanya Levine. Tanya had been a part of Hillsong uh, since it's practically since its inception, before it became Hillsong Church, when yeah. it was still um, the Hills Christian Life Center. Tanya was there. She was a part of the church when, as a as a youth, mm-hmm. and she she tells her story in in this episode of of how she ended up at Hillsong and what it's been like leaving Hillsong. It, our previous guests, of quite a few, have been a part of the launch. Like, I mean, Janice was there from day one in NYC. But if you didn't know about the Hillsong organization, it actually started in Australia. Yes. So, you know, North American Hillsong is a new. It's it cropped up in its heyday when it was. Yeah, uh, how when, big was Hillsong? I mean, that? Hillsong at its peak was somewhere around 150,000 uh, attendees globally yeah and that was probably what 2015 yeah, tw- 2016 somewhere in 20 yeah 2016 2017 around around there i mean they that's counting the north american campuses but even leading up to the launch of hillsong nyc which was its first uh, north american campus um hillsong was probably somewhere in the 90s close to 100,000 attendees and they just continued to grow um, and then to just see this spectacular collapse yeah. of, I mean, all the churches that have left since. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So um, Tanya was there practically from the beginning, back when Hills Christian OG. Life... Yeah, she, she, talks, she talks about how uh, when she got there, Hills Christian Life Center was like, you know, 300 people meeting in a little warehouse. Hills Christian um, Life Center being the name of Hillsong before it yeah, became Hillsong. Yeah, Hillsong Church before it became Hillsong Church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She wrote a book uh, about her experience at Hillsong called People in Glass Houses. And that book kind of was sort of blacklisted by Hillsong, sort of to their detriment, right? Because like when you when you tell people don't read a thing, they're gonna well, read. Well, they've never the heard thing. of it. They didn't <laughs> exactly. know that someone wrote a book about the problems in Hillsong, and then the leader's like, "Don't go check yeah. this out." It's like, well, okay, thanks for right. the publicity, I guess. Right. And it only recently became available in the U.S. Um, the book hadn't been available in the U.S. And then, you know, she goes on to talk about that a little bit. Um, so you'll you'll hear some of that in, in the episode. But the timing. Yeah. So about the timing, right? So she has a podcast called Leaving Hillsong. I think it's a must listen for people who are kind of finding their way outside of evangelicalism, particularly those of you who were in Hillsong or Hillsong adjacent churches. But she keeps kind of up to date on the latest news um, regarding Hillsong. And Hillsong's founder and former global senior pastor, Brian Houston. So if you're not very familiar with what's kind of gone on with with Hillsong Church and with Brian Houston. So Brian Houston stepped down as the global senior pastor. And there's been a lot of drama regarding his and his wife's relationship to the church and how that's causing some rifts within the church. But also, um, part of the reason that he stepped down uh, among uh, many reasons, but one of one reason was uh, to focus on trial. his trial for covering up his father's child sex abuse. Um, his father was a known and convicted um, pedophile in New Zealand before they moved to Australia to start Hills, uh, Hills Christian Life Center. So his father was sort of the founding pastor of Hillsong Church before Hillsong mm-hmm. Church was founded, and uh, Brian Houston covered up his father's pedophilia and so he's on trial for that for the cover-up for uh i guess for some of the actions that he took 
in trying to keep everything covered up. So in any case, Tanya has been kind of staying up to date, keeping her followers up to date on her Instagram um, as to what's going on. Yeah, she she actually attended. She went to the trials. They were public. So she attended not she wasn't participating in them, but she took vigorous notes. And in Australia, they have different rules about, you know, what you're allowed saying because they don't want the media uh, slanting the jury. So they're not, they actually have a blackout in terms of what they're allowed saying and how they can talk about it. So Tanya doesn't really do a lot of conjecture and, you know, give opinions too much when she covers the trial. If you go listen to her podcast, she's just going to kind of read through her notes and let you know how the trial unfolded. Mm -hmm. For those who weren't in the room and are curious what was going down, uh, she's going to go through that. But you can listen to past episodes. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's done you know she gets into a lot of the history and different people who've had had experiences mm-hmm. at Hillsong and how it's gone down uh, but we wanted to cover her story yeah. she takes the time to cover a lot of people's stories but we wanted to know what got her into this she's in the discovery plus uh, documentary yes. as well but she runs her own podcast and she keeps people up to date mm-hmm. on what's going on so yeah. we wanted to talk about her book that she published a while ago and and what this has been like for her. Yeah. And we recorded this before the trials. Oh, like Nate said, we've had this in, <laughs> right. in the queue for a long time. Right. But I mean, the, the timing couldn't be um, more perfect since the first part of the trial just ended. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a two-week uh, trial and then it's going to pick back up in the summertime. But yeah, um, yeah I think uh, I think that's about it. That's, uh, yeah. That's yeah. A good intro, Nate, to our first, uh, <laughs> our first episode back. <laughs> yeah. So without further ado, um, here is our conversation with Tanya Levine. These boys are still living like it's 1987 and uh, they can get away with just moving from town to town. Um, and, I, and I think the other fascinating thing has been watching, like, say, with Me Too and movements like that. The more people that come forward, the more people come forward. And if you don't feel like what happened, like, if you don't feel like what happened to you was a crime, think about it if it, like, happened to your best friend. Because um, we're totally taught to devalue ourselves. Hi, I'm Nate. I'm Gail. And this is Full Mutuality. So on today's podcast, uh, I'm actually very, very excited. I know I say that. I, I feel like I say that every episode. I'm very excited about today's episode, but it's very true. I'm, I'm always very excited about each episode because we have um, we make incredible connections with people, and this is no exception. So um, on today's episode, we have Tanya Levine, who is the author of the book, uh, people in glass houses, and it, I think it only recently became available in the U.S. Um, it's been available in Australia. So, um, Tanya, ha- like, tell us a little bit about your background. So, for for your sake and and who we are, so you're aware of our of a, what we do on our podcast. We do talk a lot about evangelical Christianity, and um, so so listeners, for you all, um, Tanya does have a background in evangelical Christianity. In fact, somewhat of the um, the the home base for evangelical Christianity um, as it's been marketed today. So uh, in in episodes past, you've heard um, me and Janice and Wes and Noemi and Lizeth all talk about our experience with um, Hillsong Church here in the U.S., whether it was Hillsong, New York, Hillsong, New Jersey, or Hillsong, Boston. Um, Tanya. We've got the mothership here with us. <laughs> Tanya um, has experience with Hillsong in Australia. So Tanya, um, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. We're, we're really excited about our conversation today. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much for having me, Gail and Nate. So good to be here. So uh, 
so uh, we kicked off the, the 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 episode just kind of discussing. Yeah, we're going to talk about Hillsong. Um, your book, People in Glass Houses. Um, it talks about your experience um, at Hillsong Church. Could you give us a little bit about your your background there? How how did you did you uh, go to Hillsong? Did you grow up there? Was that your your home church as a kid, or did you come to it a little bit later in life? And um, and was evangelical Christianity kind of a, a thing that you were born and raised in, or did was that something new for you? Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of complicated, but straightforward. My mother is a Jewish South African. My father was English, um, raised in the high Anglican church, we call it. And they met in South Africa, got married. My dad had become a born again Christian, um, at a Billy Graham crusade. And he eventually got my mother into it. The story's a little murky. I don't know who, like... She's like, I had to. <laughs> um, and he said it was by a revelation. But anyway, they we went to a, like a Episcopalian church, you guys will call it, for a lot of years. And my parents then wanted to, I don't know where it came from, um, they started exploring Pentecostalism. I was eight and we went to like a little church in a suburb Um I ended up getting like baptized in a pastor's swimming pool and came out apparently speaking in tongues when I was eight, came up out of the water. Um, and then um, moved house fast forward years later, we move house and we move into an area where the local Pentecostal church is called Hills Christian Life Center. And there was like 300 people. It was in a, in a warehouse, like an industrial suburban warehouse, like really out of, Back in nowhere, but it was pretty remote and inaccessible. There was a sign that went, you know, that way. Um, so yeah, um, just, you know, Brian and some friends and a couple hundred other people. I was, I was 14 at the time okay. and this was 1985. So early days. Well, how long had, had that warehouse been around or had been there before you guys showed up? Like how new to the neighborhood three were they? Okay. I think three years. Um, so they weren't. They weren't known as Hillsong yet. They were Hills Hills Christian. What's it called Life Hills? Center? Yeah. So, um, the guy who started it, the father of Brian Frank, as you know, um, he had started these Christian life centers. The first one was Sydney, um, and then they went out into the suburbs. Um, and yeah, and that was one of the like suburban areas they they hit. So it was Hills Christian Life Center because it was in, it's in an area where a lot of the suburbs have the name Hills at the end, Seven Hills, Borkham Hills, Castle Hill. It's the Hills. Oh, okay. Okay. So that's like Hillsong buffs out there. Ah, so that's a, so I'm guessing that's a suburb of Sydney then, right? Yes. Okay. Um, and how, how long were you attending, um, Hills Christian Life Center? So, um, so that's 85. And then I finished school in 1989, still like thinking this is all kind of going to keep going. Um, and then I went to university and things started really changing and I started going less. Um, my memory's a little foggy. I got a boyfriend, um, who was an atheist. So I was in a lot of trouble, like <laughs> dissonance wise. Um, like, yeah. Um, so I just kind of stopped going as often. And I'm guessing 91 is when I really kind of wound it up and, and stopped. And, but you, um, 
you still kind of continued to keep track of the church, if I'm not mistaken. It was sort of well, like a. I mean, I had I had a lot of friends in there, and like we all kind of kept in touch. Um, there wasn't like bad blood or anything. It's just they kept being good Christians, and I was like a really bad Christian. Um, <laughs> Those are our favorite people. Yeah, they're the best kinds of Christians. <laughs> I mean, I think um, Jesus wasn't a Christian at all. People often get that confused. Yeah. But uh, he definitely would have been considered bad if he was in that group. I right. don't know. can't imagine yeah, him fitting um, in with what people consider a good Christian. <laughs> so then, um, do you want to just keep going with the spiel? I mean, because mm-hmm. what happened? Well, I mean, by bad Christian, I was like, well, I can't go there, but I can't go to hell. So I'll just stay here and have anxiety for 12 years. Like, that's what I'll do. I'll just stay mm. up at night and rock. Um, while all my other friends are like, who cares, man? You find out when you die. <laughs> so, well, yeah. Yeah. Which it's interesting too. Cause I, um, you know, I was born and raised in, uh, an evangelical Christian, um, life. And so the thought of, oh, just who cares? Find out when you die would have scared the shit out of me because like, quite frankly, I, I firmly believed that it was heaven or hell and you had to believe in Jesus in order to go to heaven. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. like if I had friends who said, Oh, who cares? Don't worry about it. I'd be like, of course you have to worry about it. (laughs) What other question is there? Right. Right. I mean, we all know you could get hit by a bus this afternoon and then you'd be sorry, right? If you like, and cause you never, that's the thing you never know. Am I in? Am I out? Did I do a thing? Did I do too much today? Am I what? Where is my name in the book today? Try right. being a Jewish they, and, <laughs> Yeah. And, and they say things like that on front the stage when you're in an evangelical church. Tomorrow, you don't know what's going to happen. You, you could die. And like, so those thoughts are already planted in your head. Like, you know, you got to be careful because you could end up in, in the wrong place if you didn't do it, you know, fast enough, soon enough. If you delay putting off this commitment, they pick, they make it like a an MLM sales pitch, like try and pressure you right away to make a decision. Because the longer you wait and think about things, sometimes the more you question. So it's like, let's do a pressure, a pressure uh, thing right now. And get. I mean, did you find that then you like kind of did a bad thing knowing it was a bad thing and then like waited for the bus because you were like, well, I'm on my way now. <laughs> I... Like, well, no, I didn't, I didn't, like, it wasn't like I was waiting for it, but I, whenever I would do something and then I, I felt guilty about it, oh, I prayed so much. I'd be like, oh, God, forgive me for this, you know, and, and pray with specificity, confess your sins to God, you know, um, and then, and, and of course there's Bible verses, they, they, they come right into your brain right there, like, you know, uh, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So confess, keep confessing everything and just, I mean, it's it's like a grind constantly because the other mm-hmm. thing, too, I grew up in an environment where they would say, you know, we have we have sins in our lives that we don't even know about. So just keep right. on confessing God, keep on praying. Um, yeah, I. Whew. So, um, yeah, uh, yeah and, and the, the kind of egocentrism of it all, like being in the eighth grade and doing something wrong at school and thinking God was sending a thunderstorm to show me how mad it like what? Anyway, <laughs> it, it, you know, I really appreciate this, this part of the conversation and just the anxiety that it produces, because not only is there the sales pitch to get you to believe, but we were taught constantly about hell and the reality of it and how real mm-hmm. it was. And, and it was like, so for somebody to just think, well, just, 
you know, find out later. You're con- you are indoctrinated from a young age into having that fear of going to the wrong place. And, you know, the reason all those Bible verses were popping in your head, Nate, is because they preached them nonstop mm-hmm. to tell oh, yeah. you about. Oh, yeah. I mean, I came from a Pentecostal background. And when I left the Pentecostal church, I was I was finding it reassuring to be in, a, in an environment. It was still evangelical, but saying, like, you're eternally secure. Because um, from like the Calvinist perspective, you, you're secure in God's hand. You can't lose your salvation. Because when I was Pentecostal, I was always hearing, if you don't confess your sin and the rapture happens, you're going to hell. And I heard that. I don't know if you heard the same thing. But like for me, that was like a constant, like you got to be always ready, you know, because you can do something bad and then it's all stripped away from you. And like there's you're not secure. And that was something that I heard. Right. Did you um, hear that? Was that a message that you also had? I mean, my mother kept my mother kept the kitchen clean because you don't know, and she didn't want like the left behind people to think, you know what I mean? So she even like took all the fridge magnets off once because she's like, I don't want the, you know, the people left behind to to look at my fridge. Um, beyond constantly, and it's just reinforced and reinforced and reinforced. So, mm. so no wonder we had anxiety. Like, hello, and <laughs> so like the system is set up in a way to make you. Be in a state of constant anxiety, even if you leave and walk away. Those messaging still that fight or flight thing too. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. A lot of people like that I've noticed during this constant state of anticipation and flight or flight, or like, you know, the next event, the next meeting, the rapture, the whole thing. It's mm. not even, their nervous system is just constantly in a heightened state of alertness without even having a chance to calm it down and to think it through in any sort of logical way. Um. I'm, I had, I guess, questions related to, you know, you talked about leaving and feeling full of, and then spending the next 12 years in anxiety. But I guess I want to back it up. At which point, like, because, I mean, we're jumping into Hillsong stuff uh, in our day and age. You have been at this, talking about this before most people, before New York Hillsong was established, before they came to the U.S., before the problem started and they exported this garbage to the <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know what else. To before they brought this garbage to North America, you were part of exposing a lot of stuff um, before the most recent scandals have broken that have caught North American audiences' attention with, you know, Justin Bieber's pastor and whatnot. Um, you know, you, I I actually saw you the first time in the documentary that was uh, was Discovery Plus, um, and uh, and then I we we found out you had written a book. So I'm curious how at which point were you like this is messed up and I need to talk about this. And how did that come about? How did the writing of the book come about? Where were you in your journey when you decided I need to put this out there and I need to start talking about it? And it kind of seems like you were doing this so early in the game that must have been a lot of pushback. How did that, how does all go down for you? Okay, so, yeah. Um, so no one really asks this. Um, I, I, I mean, I went through so much pain not going to church. My family were there. I mean, my parents were there and I had this like atheist boyfriend and everybody, man, you know, it was this terrible time for my parents and my family, and but I couldn't go there. I couldn't go there anymore. And I said to my friend, um, who I refer to in the book as Jules, I'm like, I, I can't go there anymore. But um, I'll leave them alone. But if they start interfering in the community, I'm like innocent bystander people who don't know what they're doing in their little building on their own. Um, then I'm going to have to tell people. And I, I couldn't tell you today what I was trying to tell her that I would report, but it just, I knew that, you know, I knew yeah, formative ideas. And um, so then 
you know, yeah, I carried on and I figured it was my fault. Those nice people were car- like all the people I grew up with um, doing well. Here's me like changing college courses and like end up getting married to the first boyfriend because like, of course I had to. And, um, you know, because we had sex. And, um, mm-hmm. so then I, you know, was, I was a crumpled up piece of paper lying on the floor. Like I'm, right. you know, I'm, I'm useless. So, um, they were all doing well in the trajectory of life. So I figured it must be me, but I still I just can't go back there. And like my normal outside friends, my outside friends are like, you're still banging on about that hill song. And I'm like, well, yes. And then my hill song by this, was it by this point? Nearly hills. No, steady hills for a long time. Sorry. Um, they were like, can't you just like love God? Like he loves you. Like, do you have to always question someone who loves you so much? And like, why don't you just go to Bible college if you've got all these questions? So I was like, cool. Um, I'll just keep not. And then it was really only because I didn't live that far away that I ended up, um, going to the big announcement. See, we've got laws in Australia where you are not allowed to discuss the trial. So the media is not allowed to discuss the trial of Brian Houston. I could probably get charged if I publish something that is seen to influence the outcome of his trial. So that's why there's such a blackout. Um, but you guys... We're um, allowed to right. talk about this. Come on, <laughs> right. girls, Australia. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Um, so I, I mean, I had, you know, I still had my friend, but they were a little bit kind of like looking at me with the side eye because they're like, you've really been like mean for a long time. And you just, you just keep being mean about God and stuff. And, um, we think you're up to something, but we went, I'd been to the Pat Mercedes show where Brian had kicked his best friend out and, I was like, wow, that's like, because I've known these guys since they were like 28 years old, right? Like, it's crazy. Um, anyway, my friend and I were looking at this website and we found all this stuff about Frank Houston, like Brian's father. I didn't know him. I didn't know some old guy, right? Um, so I'm like reading this stuff going, what? why isn't everyone talking about this? Um, so I call up my friend and I'm like, what's that? I found this like website and it's like, Back in New Zealand and, like, Frank had to run away to Australia. Like, what's that about? So she calls her friend who's Brian's PA. So the story goes and he's like, I'm going to sort this out this weekend. I'm like, sweet, let's go. Let's go and see what you got to say for yourself, right? Not knowing really because we're, like, in, I'm in suburbia. I had a baby at this point. Whatever. Literally, like, I'm sitting there in this thing and I was also doing, I'd done most of my social work degree, but I was also doing like a, a separate course on child sexual assault. And I'm sitting there and like, I didn't know, but we've been talking about whether this was Mandela effect or not, or like who knew what, but um, Brian stood there and talked about himself, talked about his wife, talked about how like Joel still believes in God. And it's like weird, even like, I mean, that was, tw- it was 20 years ago. And even I, you know, do you know what I mean? Even with my limited training then, there was no mention of victims. There was no naming of what happened. There was no like, sorry, and, and I get upset because there was no like, we are going to have a zero tolerance on this. This will never happen again in this place. No, it was all like, poor me. But the best part was I looked at, everybody stood up and applauded. Everyone was like, yeah, poor you, Brian. Wow. Hmm. And I was like, 
So the very long answer to your question is I was sitting there like, one day I'm going to write a book and it's going to be called 12,000 People Are Wrong and I'm Right because it felt <laughs> so good knowing that mm. I – seriously, I did not know we needed to have this conversation about the child abuse, but apparently we do. Um, I thought we had absolutes in culture, but apparently paper covers rock and, you know, Brian's sadness covers everything. Um, so, yeah, I went running back to this tutor I had and I was like, can you groom a whole congregation? Just like, yeah, of course you can. You can groom a community. I was like, huh, right. And, um, yeah, I ended up nagging a friend of mine, um, I mean, we had a lot of good ideas, but I ended up nagging a friend of mine who was writing a book. Um, like, you know, I want to, I want to write a book about Hillsong. I want to write a book about, I want to write this book. And she was like, Tanya, if you're serious this time, send me a chapter outline, a couple of chapters and I'll show you the publisher. And yeah, um, really long story, but I met the editor who looked at me and she was like, so Hillsong. And I really wonder if that story would have come out in the same way. Um, our, our Australian media have always been suspicious, very cynical, um, and not, you know, faith sensitive, but not, you know, so they've always been really cynical towards these guys. Um, hmm. You know, I wasn't discovered at the airport. This isn't a Kate Moss story. This is like they had a, you know, they had a brand to, that they could sell. Um, mm-hmm. And I got this opportunity to, tell my little story or say something. I don't know. But, I mean, it came out in 2007. Mm. I had no idea, right? I mean, really, who who could have taken Brian seriously? Can you imagine? I never thought he'd do what he said he was going to do. It's it's wild to think, you know, um, I'm almost imagining the – you know, the, the early days, the, you know, you're saying what 300 people meeting in a warehouse and I'm sure it probably started, uh, even smaller than that. Um, to 40. The, yeah. And, and then to what you said, 12,000 people when that announcement was made. Um, and to think that Brian Houston had, but well, both he and his father had kept that secret. Uh, and and uh, what's wild is it's not even uh, like it's it's not even a secret like it's it's not like they didn't know in New Zealand he he had to leave New Zealand uh-huh um, um, and it it was a matter of time and when i say to you 12,000 people are wrong and i'm right like it sounds like it's a point score but it was a, a total sense of relief and freedom and liberty like <gasps> i'm happy to live with that you know what i mean mm-hmm. i even i can get my head around that is what i'm trying to say it's like mm-hmm. okay cool it doesn't matter if their lives are all still looking good i'm still right and child abuse is wrong so yeah. hey <laughs> Well, yeah, when you're living under constant, yeah, under the constant illusion that all these people have their life together and then you're watching them give an applause in a scenario. And and we've seen this in the evangelical church since that time over and over again as a script. What in Indiana again? It was the most depressing video, that Indiana video where the woman calls out her pastor and they all rush to attend to him. Um, That it's, it's, and and I, there's something people, 
I was listening to to a podcaster talk about, um, you know, hope, looking for good in evangelical culture and then getting burnt out and realizing it's everywhere, you know, right. and and the the bad is everywhere. The rot is everywhere that it, he couldn't escape the toxicity of it, you know, even though he was looking for the good in it. And I think, you know, when we keep seeing the same patterns repeating themselves, when there's constantly exactly. the pastors yeah. are getting flocked to and people are applauding them when they're doing the wrong thing and when they're covering up for abuse. And that's the pattern that gets set. Like if you're looking at the scripture that says a good fruit, a good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit, that says something that says something like instead of it overlooking this, we need to pay attention to these repeating, recurring mm-hmm. patterns that are telling us there's actually a big problem going on with the whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's something fundamentally wrong that this is what keeps producing all the yeah. time is that the, what you just expressed, the, the standing ovation to cut, like basically not acknowledging, not spelling out, not being specific about what happened, making themselves into the victims when they're supposed to be confessing that they did something wrong. And, and people are all like eating it up. And I mean, I would, I can understand that must've been really validating. Like, I get what you mean. Like, like the sense of that is, it's just, it's not, um, even if they look like they have their lives together to dismiss that and not see what's right in front of them kind of gave you a sense of maybe, am I right on this? A sense of perspective oh, yeah. of what was happening. Oh, yeah. Totally. I mean, you, you come out of a place which has offered you 100% truth, the only, you know, kind of resources you'll ever need for life. You you leave them. You've got to have some kind of like, I don't know, remember they always used to talk about you got to have absolutes in life. Well, man, I mean, sure, we can start there, right? Apparently not. Like really right. apparently Child not. Child abuse should be a given. Right. Right. <laughs> Well, it's it's not the what you know. It's it not be as wrong bad to everyone. As, well, you would think, but the amount of like, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you know it. The amount that's all coming out now of mm-hmm. enabling and looking the other way and mm-hmm. moving people around. It's just um, a conversation I I didn't know we were going to need to have, but people and do. Here feel we are. Different. Yeah. I and what <laughs> what gets me is you know I I see so many people that I people that I love, people that I'm close to, that I care about. And I see them doing like what, what you said about, you know, um, clapping for the past. Yeah. There's good going on here. There's good, like constantly searching. And, and Gail, what you said about, um, you know, your friend who was, uh, or I'm sorry, the other podcaster you were listening to who said they were constantly searching for the good, but all they found was, problems all they found was evil all they found was rot and i i have to like let's talking specifically about hillsong um you know they they love to talk about the numbers and and they love to talk about how much god has done but there's uh i mean there's so much pain there's so much suffering there are so many um uh so many lives that have been destroyed is that worth it for this nebulous idea it gives god glory nate that's what this is all god's mm -hmm. doing some good thing that you don't even realize just around the corner yeah the best is yet to come right did i hit all the taglines yet i'm like yeah um it's only about the moment i guess isn't it sorry continue i think what 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 drives me um what drives me nuts is the foundations of this church were rotten it was it was started by a guy who ran away from the consequences of the crimes that he committed against children. And we, we like to say, Oh, you know, there are a few bad apples. Okay. Well, there was Carl Lentz. There was Reed Bogart. There was Darnell. There was, you know, it's just what we, we say these, 
um, these like, oh, just a few bad apples, or it was the celebrity culture in New York City, or, you know, it was, it was, you know, just this one guy at Hillsong College who, you know, assaulted that girl. And, and, but we're seeing, A, we're seeing it repeat itself. At some point, the pattern has to mean something, like you were saying, Gail. But then at another, another point, we're not, like, again, to, to, to reiterate your point, Gail, we're not investigating the roots of this place. We're not, we're not talking about the fact that it was founded by a guy who covered up this incredibly dark. Well, yeah. Uh, no? I mean, we got some big questions. I don't know how many hours you want to go for, but you try. <laughs> you trying to tell me that in a small regional, and it might be different. I don't know. Um, certainly some people who I've spoken to, I, you know, I believe them, but you trying to tell me that a weird preacher down the road and his wife and his five kids and there's nobody in that town that knows and that all five of those children don't have friends or girlfriends or friends, friends, friends that know and that it never got back to them and they didn't know then, please. Um, early on there was a website where a commenter said everyone knew to stay away from Creepy Frank in Lower Hutt. So um, don't give me this Twin Towers in your soul stuff. Um, the levels of complicity and culpability are way deeper than I think anybody wants to get their head around. He was a prolific, Frank was a prolific and horrific um, uh, offender. The Salvation Army had to move him around New Zealand and uh, eventually they threw him out, I think. Um, you know, long story. There's a beautiful book, by the way, called Being Frank by Hazel Houston. Have you heard about it? No, I haven't heard about it. All right. So I'd just like to recommend a podcast I started called Reading Hillsong. So what we're trying to do, and I'd really love some help and we'll talk about it later, um, is reading our holy text out loud. And so I've started with Being Frank by Hazel Houston because Frank was psychotic um, and psychotic and hallucinating and um, angry and depressed and unwell and um yeah, um, so we, we're going to read the books out and so I would need more readers because we're going to do You Need More Money and I'll have what she's having and stuff because the books are insane. Hmm. Um, so that gives the history of it. But, uh, yeah, it's um, – and then the levels of concealment are, are pretty bad as well. Um, you know, it's deliberate. It's premeditated. It's mishmashed statements. It's stories mixed together. It's been completely – you know, the whole thing was completely premeditated and – um, sorry, I mean, the concealment was, you know, completely premeditated. Um, yeah. There's just no question about it. That Yeah, yeah. That, it was cover up after cover up after cover up, I'm sure. Because you don't, yeah, again, you don't, you, you don't get to the the places, you don't reach the heights that Brian Houston reached with that kind of crime in your history without very calculated efforts to cover up those crimes. Um, especially the fact that, you know, we, that the church reached how many hundred thousand, like a hundred thousand people globally. And, and we all act like this is, you know, new, but you do not. I mean, I can tell you that I went racing out with this, like, Oh, this book's going to come out and everybody's going to know Hillsong was started by a pedophile. And so I went to media interviews and they all wanted to know. So where does the money go? And that's the question I got asked. So, you know, it, it then came out, you know, a few years later, we had a Royal Commission here looking into child abuse. Um, so now they are known online in Australia as, you know, a, a church started by a pedophile with a guy who covered it up. But uh, um, people just wanted to know about the money until, you know, last year when Brian was charged by the police officially. Mm-hmm. 
that's when I noticed people coming back and reading about Frank. Now they're interested again. So it's yeah. kind of a worldwide problem, as you know, but it's right. It's you know, nobody's really wanting to rock the boat too much, I guess. And which, and you know, and and to to be to be fair, I suppose um, that there there is there's certainly something uh, about digging and trying to find out where the money goes, because I mean, look at, look at what has been going on. Hillsong, um, was it Hillsong Dallas or Hillsong Houston? One of the Hillsong Texas campuses shut down. And the reason they gave was embezzlement of funds by the lead pastors. Later on, we find out, we find out that the lead pastor, while he was working for Carl in Hillsong, New York had raped a junior staffer. Um, but you know, that's a whole other story for another time. Um, but again, like there, there's, I mean that that is um that is an organization that is raking in money. Um, you know, I, I like to think of it as as McDonald's, right? McDonald's is not uh, a a burger joint. They're not out to make the best uh, burger. They're, uh-huh. they're it's a it's a real estate holding company. They make money by buying properties and and you know franchising that that. Um, you that know, IP, you right? know what you're going to get no right. matter where you are across the world. When exactly. you go into a McDonald's, you know exactly what that's going to taste like and what it's going to, what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. And I, is that what, what the yeah. comparison yeah. you're trying to make? Yeah. And like with? Hillsong, Hillsong is a, a similar replicating, uh, itself. Yeah, replicating itself, but the money and, and, and why, you know, uh, why McDonald's is able to sell, you know, 99 cent burgers. Um, it, it the, they're not making money by selling the burgers. They're making money through the real estate holdings. Um, and that's, 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 that's something that, that, that's a question I have about what Hillsong was doing. Um, and of course there's a lot of speculation, you know, because none of, I don't think any of it is clean. The fact that they didn't register as a church when they came to the U S they read, they didn't register as a 501 C three, uh, a nonprofit. They registered as an LLC, a limited liability company, and they registered a number of limited liability companies. And the, the attorney who helped write the paperwork that, that then formed Hillsong, I guess, was it Hillsong Holdings LLC US or Hillsong USA LLC or something like that was Carl Lentz's dad. Um, so naturally, of course, that's how we ended up with the um, the shit show that was or the, the, the money sink that was uh, Carl Lentz. No. But again, another story for another time. That's <laughs> well, you would have you would have ended up with it in any kind of way. The system is so inherently abusive. It's just a mm-hmm. different like it, it's incredible. So I will see you your franchise in McDonald's and raise you like all I can see is an international money laundering operation yeah. um, that is using like they they throw a couple of church services just to get by the tax law. Um, right. They seem to be dependent on well, they're dependent on exploitation. Um, for some reason, they're dependent on sexual abuse. Um, mm-hmm. it, it it just keeps coming up time and time yeah. again. And I've I've never understood since that the one thing about that Frank thing is like my friend who was sitting next to me while we were reading this website was like, but a bad tree can't produce good fruit, and I was like, hmm, and she went straight back to like volunteering again and we didn't really talk about it so um the way people have been just able to overlook what's going on and just continue forward as if it's great it's got nothing to do with church this thing has got nothing to do with church it's you don't have to scratch much of the surface to see like (laughs) anymore i mean um what did happen you might that you guys might find interesting is as much as they were part of that really back of nowhere warehouse thing, um, that whole area was growing and Sydney was growing. And, you know, as you move further out of the city, more suburbs and stuff, and they really hit 
gold with the, you know, the working class family or the lower middle class kind of up and comers. And uh, very early on, the boys who were landscapers and in real estate were some of the earlier golden boys of Brian's. So mm. um, some of the guys on the board today are still far, like part of that um, developers, builders, you know, like it was a great intersection of, I call it Lebensraum, like Hitler, remember, he wanted more land, right? Brian's Lebensraum, um, land for his people. And, yeah, um, yeah, it was good timing. It was really good timing. There was a lot of money to be made in property in this country and yeah. it was just, yeah. What was that, what was the response you got back then when you put out the book when people weren't paying attention to this? Where it wasn't not like the topic because of what happened in the U.S., you know, when you started podcasting was the breaking news. Um, but it wasn't in 2007. You know, a lot of people were just Hillsong was on a high. They, they were continuing to expand and okay. to do well. How, what kind of reaction did you did Hillsong try to ignore you? Did people come after you? Did you get no, threatened? No, did, no. Did people um, just hope that everyone would just ignore what you're saying and putting out? I, I mean, I was so nervous because I was like, okay, all these theologians are going to come for me. And like, what am I going to do? And uh, yeah, so um, it was like, you know, it came down to like four questions. Like, do you still believe you're going to throw the baby out with bathwater? Um, where's the money go? Um, do you think they really believe? I, I don't know. Um, so, um, like I, you know, like I said, the, the Australian media, media have always been very cynical and suspicious of these guys. Anyway, um, suspicious of Australians are resistant to over-Americanization. Um, they should be. Of anything. <laughs> and yet, you know, like who's the first online when like, you know, Kylie Jenner put something out. But um <laughs> So, so yeah, so, you know, it was a good reception in terms of Hillsong. My understanding was that all they said was, hey, we can't help if someone writes a book. Um, then, I mean, I don't know, you guys might know more than me because I've since been contacted by so many people that said, no, like we were told, as you know, as soon as kind of I arrived, I got told, don't speak to her, don't go and look up her stuff, whatever you do, right, don't think of pink elephants. Like, <laughs> and so, um, you know, Brian did a lot of marketing for me basically by going around and telling people, I mean, to the point where people have, like, got this kind of, you know, it's kind of a tame book. It's not that outrageous. It's not that exposing. And, you know, people haven't been able to read it for 10 years because they're terrified of it. I mean, Wow. Um, so yeah, um, nothing really happened. Um, so Australian media was willing to pick up on it. They were interested because they're skeptical. They had those small questions or those four questions or, you know, things that interested them. Obviously North America was not coming to you because there's maybe not Hillsong. My publisher had said to me, we, you know, we, we can't sell this book in the States. If you had written a pro Hillsong book, we would be able to release it tomorrow. But, you know. No, because every six months I was like, but they're growing. My publisher would be like, okay, let's go through this again. (laughs) And, and I remember, I remember very vividly. Um, I was, I was working for another church at the time. Um, but Hillsong New York was beginning to, uh, pick up like the conversation around it was happening. Um, I mean, I, I wasn't privy to, uh, what, what had been announced at conference in the year or two prior when they said that they were going to be launching Hillsong New York. Um, but I do remember when 
things started picking up steam when the greater uh, New York City area started to hear about, well, Hillsong is coming here. And I was uh, I was working for another church at the time, and I was very in tune with um, the Hillsong music machine, uh, partially because uh, my, the church I was working for didn't look too kindly on Hillsong. They thought Hillsong was too, uh, oh, they, you know, the, all they talk about is God's love and, and they love this, love that. And they wanted to talk about God's sovereignty and wrath and judgment. And, um, and so, so they weren't too, too fond of Hillsong, but I, I enjoyed it. I think it, it, it scratched an itch that I had at the time. Um, and so I was kind of keeping track. I would attend, um, Hillsong United concerts when they would come to New York city. And, uh, so when there was the announcement that Hillsong New York would be coming, and then we found out that Joel was going to be the lead pastor at Hillsong New York, I was pretty excited about this thing that was coming here. Um, despite the fact that I was working for another church that was a pretty jealous church, they weren't, (laughs) they didn't like, they, I mean, obviously they wouldn't say it, but they, they didn't like, you know, big, uh, bigger churches showing up, uh, in their territory. They also imitated Hillsong, like their Jesus you know, oh the God, Jesus yeah, sign. Yeah. A few they, years yeah. later, they, they were like, I saw them imitating. I mean, like, and, yeah. <laughs> I, I, but, I, I just, I've been so interested. Sorry, but I just, I'm so interested in like why these people did well in your country when you had so much so, bigger and better and broader. <sighs> and Joel Houston it was like eight the last time I saw him. Like, what? Someone's excited that he's going to lead something? Like, yeah. I know, but still, you know, like it's just these suburban kids and you guys, what? Huh? Yeah, it's um so so obviously, you know, uh we didn't we didn't see their upbringing. We didn't see Joel Houston as like this, you know, teenage this snot-nosed teenage Awkward kid. Kids. Yeah, le- leading a <laughs> leading a youth band. Um we saw this, you know, uh post-grunge electronica, you know, U2 Coldplay vibe thing happening and we were excited about that. It's, you know, it was and and also I think um Hillsong's good at marketing. Yeah, Hillsong is very good at I mean, yeah, they're very good at marketing. Um they, they do, right? So Yeah, that is what they do. Uh they they also um were selling back to America the thing that they bought from America. And they they did it in yeah. a way that they they basically right, they took right. they took the American invention, polished yes. it, gave it yes. some slick new branding and marketing and 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 a and a sort of quote unquote Euro pop sound, and then sold it back to yeah. uh, to North America and and that was it was familiar to us but different enough to feel like something new, but familiar in that oh this is something that we love right we have. The um, the Andy Stanley North Point, uh, we have Elevation, Bethel, all of those things, uh, you know, um, we're, we're all here. Chris Tomlin was writing his his stuff and we knew the songs, right? They had exported their songs uh, for a long time. So we were familiar with with the music. Um, and I think that's that's how it that's how it blew up. Um, I mean, that's pr- probably, you know, very, very, very simplified. Australians can be really good at it. Um, they can be really, really good at that technique. Look at like Portia de Rossi, right? Like there's, oh, cele- yeah. there's like, there's these celebrities, like Australians that become these huge successes, like, mm-hmm. it, or marry a huge success. Like it's, you know, one of them became like, it's going to be the queen of Denmark. She's like a girl from Tasmania. It's like insane. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Okay. I mean, I, yeah, it, it, I always wondered and the, the music had been going for quite, some time before they really showed up. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's 
so powerful. So, so powerful yeah. music. Yeah. Yeah. The, they've, they've come up with a music formula that has worked as a worship backdrop in evangelicals. Like they created a, a certain, you know, and some people like uh, we've, we've interviewed someone, I think our last episode or one of, maybe a few episodes before was talking about how in his church, he's like, I don't get, he was asked to perform Hillsong songs in his new church. And it was, he's like, we were just a glorified karaoke band popping out Hillsong. He didn't like that. He was a writer. He was a musician. He wanted to write his own music. And he didn't like the big concert feel to the whole, like he could sense something was off. But at the mm. same time, this is what the churches were craving. They wanted a soundtrack. They wanted a similar, familiar, comfortable vibe. Um, and Hillsong managed to pop out something that resonated with so many evangel across the spectrum, whether you were Pentecostal, whether you weren't. Um, all the churches seemed to know this was like the, the worship music that we sing and they made it simple. Hillsong would ha write their, their words so they were easy to memorize so that they were catchy enough. And I mean, I had a friend who was in music production and he was an artist and he was like, Gail, this stuff is top notch. The, the singers, the artistry, the production value is so high that as a musician, I'm just astounded by the quality. And they, you know, they now over time, I've learned how much they've exploited people and they would seek after people with gifts who could do stuff really well and use that to market their stuff. But they did a good job in, in getting that out there and, 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 and just like, I'm from Canada, you know, Nate's from the US, you're sitting there in Australia and it just, it went out, it went out and we were singing Hillsong worship for a long time before, mm -hmm. before they ever came to North America. Yeah. <laughs> just darling, I mean, zesh out to the Lord, all of that, you know. Um, I mean, I'm guessing that's why they I, they don't really have to worry about anything because that will live on forever. Um, mm -hmm. They don't really have to worry who's going to – between that and the metaverse, they're sorted. Um, yeah. You know they could stuck up that deal with Zuck, right? Oh, that's right. What? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I didn't – I didn't actually read into it. I saw the headline. You need to uh, read into it. Um, I'll just send you the link. Yeah. Right? Um, Stick it in sorry. the show notes so yeah. people who are curious about this can well, definitely read up. Whether you use it or not. But um, the med this is what I think. Why would they care? Um, what What happens to Brian in court or who really turns up to these um, places? Because they've got this deal with, they made this deal with Facebook right before they changed their name um, to have online church, virtual reality church. I'm sorry, virtual reality church. You know, with all kinds of in-game purchases. Um, yep. So, sorry. Surprise, sorry. surprise. They're monetizing it. Yeah. Well, you know, with Sam Collier, they apparently met with. Excuse me. So, yeah. Um, yeah, with Sam Collier. Um, which, um, again, and then and then now, of course, you know, he's he's doing his own thing because the Hillsong brand is not uh, marketable any longer. So he has to run away from it and, and start his immediately start his own thing right across the street from where it wasn't oh even like... It wasn't even like he was, uh, you know, uh, saying, I'm going to, you know, redo this congregation and, and we're going to rebrand. Like um, it was uh, Hillsong in uh, Arizona, Arizona. Okay. Uh, Hillsong Phoenix, that the entire church, they all up and left Hillsong. But um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Sam Collier, he decided to open up a new church right across the street from well practically right across the street from where Hillsong Atlanta had been and because you know well, at least he's honest do you know what I mean like it's yeah. it's um people are happy um uh to keep going um yeah let's keep going let's not think about it let's have a brand new fresh thing and it's a perfect marketing to the perfect audience um mm -hmm. I saw an online account of sorry and like him I saw them discussing 
their accounts and how like there's all this money in these bank accounts, but the church is shutting down now. So we're just going to have to use it as we need it. Huh? Yeah. End of story. <laughs> yeah. It was fascinating. So yeah. That's why not? Called- why not just start up next week? Forget it. That's Who cares? Stealing. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, we call it obtaining money. This is what I don't understand. Um, so if I like knock on your door and I ask for a donation to the Salvation Army and I then go and use it for something else, we call that obtaining money by deception. Mm-hmm. Um, if they do it and they've raised money for one thing and they've spent it on something else, why isn't there a class action lawsuit to get everybody's money back? Mm. I, I don't understand why the lawyers are not swimming. I feel um, like the U.S., you can correct me if I'm wrong, Nate, because you tend to know yeah. more about this. But my hunch is that in the, the U.S., um, religious people have so much power, especially evangelicals, and they don't like to go after churches. Like, I know Australia is doing a lot of steps to hold people accountable, religious organizations accountable, um, the commissions that they've put forward and the new, you know, laws, things, just things, steps that they're taking towards. I feel like in the U.S., the churches are so in bed with the politicians in terms of propping them up, in terms of helping them get elected. And so the government has a hard time holding churches to accountability because they're, two, they're, two, they're one and the same. They're yeah. so – like I'm happy for Australia. Yeah, they're linked to the president. The prime minister is linked – prime minister. You guys have prime ministers like Canada. Yeah, okay. Your prime minister is linked to – Brian Houston has been severed. You have a new guy in there and I'm so happy for you guys. Not mm-hmm. like, the U.S. has – I mean, evangelical culture has propped up Trump, and I feel like inv- inv- um, investigating evangelical churches is difficult because they're smart about how they go about the laws, but the laws also yeah. don't clamp down right. nearly and, enough. And filing, um, honestly, filing a class action lawsuit, like who would who would go after them? Um, because, like, uh, I I hate to say it, but evangelicals are some of the most gullible people who are susceptible to to fraud, frankly, you know, they don't, they, they think, um, they think that everything that, that was done to them is okay. It's done in the name of Jesus. So, you know, okay, I feel a little uncomfortable about this, but you know what? I can support what, what, what Sam is doing across the street because, you know, it's all being done in the name of Jesus. Um, so like, there's, that's why they're primed for conspiracies, yeah. theories, and anti-vaxxer propaganda. I guess all of that okay. is a lot. This, yeah. Yeah. Because you can cover, I mean, you can cover a multitude of sins by just claiming I'm doing this, you know, for the for the good of, of spreading the gospel. And yeah, I mean, I, I feel like that's, yeah, it, it is, it's, it's fraud, but. There's yeah. a group that happens to be very groomed for it. Like mm-hmm. you said, Tanya, I think you brought this up earlier, not trusting your own self. Um, really like trusting your authorities and your church leaders and believing they're, they're there for your good and not questioning it. Um, I mean, there's a huge amount of money that, you know, groups that businesses have given and, and there's a paper trail that says, you know, I've donated this for this. Um, and it went to what, like it went straight to Louis Vuitton. Where did it go? So, um, do they just like? Can you tithe to Louis Vuitton in this place? I mean, I can't wait. To <laughs> I mean, there the are some stuff. there are some comedians, late night talk show hosts that have made joke churches and registered them to show yeah. how badly yeah. the system is set up. You yeah. know, to to protect religious organizations, no matter how not serious they are, no matter how fraudulent, right. no matter how much of a satire, like it's a satire church and it's still being able to register and being able to. And yet Christian has a church, right? The Kardashians have a church. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, look, purposes, at least they're honest as well. So, I mean. Yeah. I mean, what Kanye West started his uh, Sunday services 
that whole thing that was basically, you know, he saw what Hillsong was doing and was like, ah, yes. there's a lot of money in that. There's a, a lot of money pressure. in that. So, they, so, so he's got to do it. I mean, um, who was it? Uh, um, John Termini, um, who was Carl Lentz's, one of Carl Lentz's uh, boys. Interim John. Yeah, interim John, interim right? John. If, do you know if you rearrange the letters of Chermany, it is actually interim. <laughs> You're right. Oh my god, that's yeah. hysterical. Um, I have yeah. too much for time. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, like he, you know, he he was successful in. Uh, I don't remember if it was real estate or finance, but he was successful outside of religious organizations. But once he got a taste of money, of the money that you could make inside of the religious world unregulated money yeah, yeah exactly money. tax like, tax free um he stuck with it and he hightailed it out to hawaii and started a new church what is it you want me to reconcile myself to i was born here almost 60 years ago i'm not going to live another 60 years you always told me it takes time it's taken my father's time my mother's time my uncle's time my brother's and my sister's time. My nieces and my nephew's time. How much time do you want for your progress? I hate you, naturally. And I hate black people. Things are going to get worse before they get better. What is presented to me as an American does not look like me. Because you're not allowed to be a black man in corporate America. You give us a hard time for being white, being American, and being in control. And when you live under a situation like that constantly, uh, and then you ask me you know, whether I approve of violence, I mean, that just doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, there's a lot of crazy stuff happening right now. And you know what? We need a space where we can debrief some of it and deconstruct. If you've been looking for a POC-centered podcast that engages with intersectionality, religion, critical race theory, and some hip-hop culture, then you need to check out Profane Faith. I'll be your host, Daniel Whitehodge, and we go in every other week. So check us out wherever you find your podcasts. Or check us out at whitehodgepodcasts.com to see what other platforms we're on. Cool? Aight. Peace. Hey everyone, I'm Nate from the Full Mutuality Podcast. I wanted to take a moment to say thank you for tuning into this show. We're so grateful that you've decided to spend your time with us. Seriously, Dan, Gail, Jessica, Kathleen, Scott, and the rest of us here at the Dauntless Media Collective couldn't produce content like the show you're listening to without your support. I'd also like to invite you even further into the conversation. Right now, there are some great discussions happening over in the Dauntless Media Collective Discord server. If you're interested in chatting with other folks who are deconstructing and decolonizing the oppressive traditions that they came from, please feel free to hop on into the server. If you don't know what Discord is, it's a place where communities can gather online for chatting on a wide variety of topics. In our Discord server, we have channels devoted to general deconstruction conversations, some meme sharing, therapeutic venting about whatever religious bullshit you're currently dealing with, and even a channel specifically devoted to talking about the latest episodes of the podcast you're listening to right now. I hope you'll join us. You can log in directly to the Dauntless server by clicking the link in the show notes or heading to dauntless.fm and clicking the link in the top banner. See you there.
we couldn't write this stuff like the way, say, like Brian and Bobby are behaving online at the moment on social oh media. God, I know. If, you know, I mean, it, you, if I made that up, you'd be like, that's really cliche. Like, go back and come up with something like more real. But I mean, I think the Hawaii church was called the for like right. the Hawaii. The, no, no, no. The house established. The house established. is the name of the church. The acronym was the. And the acronym is T H E. And the T. That is good. Right. Wow. <laughs> right. Sell it. Wow. Stamp it. The T in the is, is for- stands for the. Yeah, no, 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 that's awesome. I, I'm thinking up like you could go that way and like horizontal and vertical <laughs> and stuff. It's crazy. These guys, we did. I mean, cross equals heart has got to be the cleverest thing on earth. I, they specifically are marketing to people. You know, it, it's so complicated, but people like we have a very multicultural society here and we've got a lot of immigrants we've got a lot of people with a lot of kids and not a lot of time and a message where english is not your first language you know you're not looking for nuanced meanings and you know they're able to target the incredible amount of people with the like you were saying with the lyrics it's really simple so mm-hmm. not hard to translate into another 50 languages and market like yeah, yeah. I, I, I like <laughs> what you were saying about like the t- that you could this is like com- comedic almost i mean i really think like Why? there's been documentaries and there will be more documentaries on hillsong hillsong has so much garbage behind it that there's more coming out but also somebody needs to instead of just making documentaries make like a docu series of like the drama like to actually play out you know like just <laughs> the drama. Like, I, don't, I don't know if you've seen nate and i watched a, a series a docuseries called uh under the banner of heaven and it was about mormonism um and it, it was it was it was fascinating but it was an acting out of actual real story that uh, happened in mormonism yeah yeah who was it sam worthington and uh, yeah sam worthington uh, and andrew garfield andrew garfield the guy from spider-man sam worthington there's another one right one day he's laying bricks the next minute he's like i've got eight billion dollars from avatar <laughs> but just, Crazy. just, just to say that that series was really uh, eye-opening about mormonism but it was like watching it like a reenactment. I feel like someone needs to do a reenactment of the stuff that's and come out of Hillsong. Like I write a lot. Well, I don't write a lot, but I have been known to write fanfic for Pat Messini because it's just like Pat <laughs> wakes up, looks in the mirror, thinks how great he is for the day, out he goes. You know what I mean? Like it's just, you know, behind the scenes. Can you imagine? Like we could write anyway. There's so much. There's there, so much material there. There already yeah. is. It's called The Righteous Gemstones. <laughs> that is. Have you ever seen that, that series? That wasn't. But see, that got stupid. Like, it got a little annoying. And then it's like, well, maybe it's not. Maybe, like, that is no, not crazy. I, it's, it's like, gonna... it's funny because it, it got stupid, but then real life church got stupider. <laughs> yeah. So, so you said, like, I, I felt like I was sitting there watching this going, like, nah, this nah, is so it far fetched. It can't be. It's so far fetched. It can't happen in it real can't life. Happen. And then and you're yet, like, and then, and then we and then we look at the headlines and we're like, oh my god, it's happening! And it's even worse than what they did in the show. Like you had, I don't know if you remember this, but Joel Olstein, some guy found in their bathroom <laughs> tons of money, and we're like, right. wait, in, the righteous the gemstones wrote this script before this ever happened in the most ridiculous right. fashion, and it happened in a real life megachurch. Man, so can you imagine like the get the predictions? Because we used to also be like, man, we used to look at tweets like Brian going. We're not toxic. It's a false narrative. And go, he's obviously, like, he's got to be up drinking in the middle of the night and gets all angry and tweets, right? But we were joking. Right, right. But now you look at that and it's like, that's not something you tweet at 10 a.m. 
No. Right? It like, it's like twi- it's like what Trump used to do, and you're like, right. somebody try and take away his phone at some point and be like, you got to stop tweeting. Yeah. Like you just need to. We need to rein you in. This is out of control. <laughs> Imagine being that wealthy and having being able to have that many like advisors and obviously not listening to them. And exactly. still getting away with pulling off this nonsense. Oh, oh man. You know okay. Or yes. I know. I wanted to circle back um, to, you know, you had mentioned, um, you know, how, how you got the response and the ways people responded to your book. And then now I want to fast forward. Here we are. You know, things are like for a long time, it looked like Hillsong was running along smoothly. You know, you're talking to your friend about London, about the U.S., like all this stuff that's happening and why are they expanding and, you know, the whole wait, just wait, wait and see, you know, and now we're seeing what's the consequences. How has the response changed to you? Like, are you getting a lot more North American people coming to you? Like, oh, we weren't listening or paying attention before, but now we want to know what's I get, um I get like the most I've gotten recently is um, Bible college students who are like, hey, um, so like I used to really believe you were batshit crazy for like a lot, a lot of years and you're not. And I'm like, thanks. It's nice. Um, so, yeah, um, uh, I guess what's been interesting is at that same time, um, obviously technology advancing and lots of other churches being that way, whether it's Vineyard, whether it's Bethel, whether you, you know, so more and more people are connected and kind of saying the same thing. Um yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of, don't forget, like, I'm, like, old. So, like, Carl Lentz you know is old news. This is, I mean, this is really a, old news. This is a good in, in, in segue into your podcast because you talk about being old, but the introduction into your podcast has, like, this 80s vibe going, and it's it's great, and I love it, and it makes me smile when I hear it, and it's, like, your own thing that you're doing. But you, we mentioned your book, but you started a podcast and it was related to, in your mind, like when all this was breaking in the US with the yeah, Carl and stuff, is that what yeah. motivated? Can you tell us a bit about, you well, know, how I that mean, took off? And like I said, you know, Brian had done all this marketing for me, um, but he'd also done like the Hillsong marketing. Um, so I figured in kind of Pentecostal kind of borrowing fashion that he would have encouraged, I'll just use his like all his marketing and hard work um, um, and and make a podcast called Leaving Hillsong because I, I, we had had those conversations back then. I always still deep down sort of probably figured it was me. I'm a weirdo. I'm the one that couldn't fit in. I'm the one, I mean, it's not like, you know, I'm not graduating medical school like that guy or whatever. And, um, you know, back, from, back in the day and I'd made this book and I'd kept kind of, I'd done this book and I kept, you know, nothing happened. Nothing happened for years. Like I had a Google alert set up with like nothing. And you get a song or something and then everything happened um, at the end of 2020 with you guys. And it really hit me, um, I guess, well, I guess just over a year ago, like that self-doubt. Like I was like, wow, you should have done more. You should have done more. And there's going to be more people. There's like going to be more people. If this is what is happening in New York City, like the – you know, the smartest, quickest, like most fingers on the pulse people in the world, there's going to be more and more and more of it. And, you know, um, let's start just finding out what people's experiences were. So the few people that I'd been in regular contact with over the years, a few of them agreed to tell their story. And I thought, we'll just do a really simple, like, how did you get there? What made you leave? Um, And what's life been like since? So that if there were people that were like, 
I wound up there with my wife and kids. We had a great time. I changed jobs and life's been fantastic ever since. Um, that will fit as well, but I never got contacted by those people. And yeah, I, 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 I don't know who walks out of here. Um, I don't know who walks out of there unscathed. Um, mm. There's obviously a spectrum of impact, but man. Um, so yeah, it was really kind of like a, it started out as like, like my own weird apology to New York City. Like, I don't know, it was weird. We're sorry, sorry we brought I'm Hillsong sorry. to you guys. And Nicole, I'm like really sorry about Nicole Kidman as well. I'm so glad you guys kept her there. Oh, um, no, I, I just, um, like I was like, got to do something then. Got to do something. See what happens if you say something. Like people might just not care. You can go in the joy of podcasting is you just go to the store and get a microphone and then like that's it. You press play and then people are like, wow, it's a podcast. <laughs> you know, I am I have listened to many of your episodes and you take the time sometimes when Hillsong has breaking news, uh, an article, when Hillsong puts out a letter to try and explain their nonsense, you will, you know, read through it line by line and dissect it. Um, you have been on Hillsong's tail for a while. You know what's going on. You're in touch with what's happening on the ground in Australia. And your podcast has done a good job to get into that backstory, to talk and interview people who are at the original Hillsong. Um, and so I think it's really insightful stuff. I think it's helpful for people maybe coming out of New York to understand the trajectory of what what just happened where they are and where did this come from and how did it get to where they are now? Then, um, I mean, the, the experience might be different, but it was always going to be the same and all that's changed is their predatory nature got more sophisticated and funded better. And, you know, you see this thing over and over of people being like, oh, I can't believe I bought into that or I regret that so much. And it's like, how are you going to stand up against this multi, multi-million dollar marketing organisation that, like, recruitment is their number one next to fundraising, um, hallmarks of a cult, recruitment and fundraising, Um but yeah, um, how are you going to stand up against that? They're really good at what they do. They so, are good at what they do. I'll give them that. And I, I but, wanted to. Oh, sorry, oh, sorry you go ahead, Ray. No, I, I was just going to say it's our relationship. You <laughs> go, no, you go. No, you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, they they are really good at what they do, but um, their leaders are all cowards. Mm-hmm. Um, they <clears throat> because I think you know at at some level some of them. Um, not all of them and probably not most of them, but some of them know that they're wrong and know that what they're doing is evil. And others of them are just too blinded by the money and the celebrity. And some of, and a lot of them are just are also scared because they have no other marketable skills that they just continue to dig their heels deeper and deeper. And it's not because I'm like a history buff or anything. And my friends are a little bit older, but this is why, I find the whole thing so much more disgusting now is because it's premeditated. I no longer think I was told early on that there's no decent assemblies of God pastor. I was like, no, there's some nice people. No. Right. They all know they're all keeping the dirty little secret. Um, the, the dirty big secrets. And Oh yeah. Oh no. I'm not, I'm not saying that, no. that they aren't all, all of them c- complicit and all of yeah. them n- um, knowledgeable. Yeah. But even, even more so like now we have the data and that's why I felt more confident about, the podcast, because we can't say, oh, well, that was, you know, they're only young. They're just, we've got 40 years of data now of what these people do. And it's the same thing. So every time they do it, they do it knowingly. Every time they try and do gay conversion therapy, they are risking a murder. 
essentially they I think it's like an attempted murder mm-hmm. because yeah. they know what it does to people. Yes. And they don't care. Mm-hmm. Um so they know people go bankrupt. They know that, like, it's the most hideous thing in the Can you imagine these miracle babies things with the IVF and Bobby and you gave money and then you got pregnant? And they know what they're doing. It's yeah. disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have the data now. We yeah. have, do you know what I mean? We have the history. We don't have the evidence, but we can tell stories. And that's oh, why this absolutely. is really exciting. Absolutely. It's all we have. Yeah. Do I appreciate so much that you're putting that data out there, that you're breaking it down for people. We don't all know all those stories, like the ones you just gave with the baby and the, you know, like there's lots of um, things that you've seen firsthand, heard firsthand. You comb through it and on your podcast you put out. I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for. I mean, thank you guys. It's just I want people to blame themselves less because this isn't a coincidence. It's not an accident. These aren't like um, good people who were disorganized. No, no. No, no, no. You know, um, Mm -hmm. and by the time you take a stage to start telling people what to do or taking their money in the name of God, you Mm -hmm. know, you'd want to be really clear about what you're doing, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. uh, Yeah. You know, there's a lot of unhappy people and it's not going to like, they're not going to stay quiet forever. They're just not. No. Yeah. And you're um, providing a platform for people to, to talk, to speak. And you're also providing the emotional labor of yourself telling your own story. And I just, I want, I just, I need to highlight that. I need to highlight the work that you're doing on your podcast because it's a labor. There's a lot of work that goes into that. You said, I just pick up my phone and I record. No, you, you pick guests, you think through, you know, you you research what's happening at Hillsong and you talk from your experience, but that experience is very invaluable. Um, and the stuff that you're putting out there, you know, you thought of the New York people, you had them on your heart with what they were going through. I cried. I cried so bad. I was like, wow. Well, mm-hmm. they did it. They really, they did do it. It's like, you know, you can, mm-hmm. yeah, you can see something terrible is going to happen. And I don't know, it's all right. Um, yeah. um, so, like, it, and then that really became about kind of believing in my own truth, even though I was kind of, like, questioning myself just before we started recording. I was like, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, really kind of going, okay, no, no, keep going, keep going. Don't listen to other people when they're telling you that you're crazy or you're the Antichrist or whatever, like, you know. <laughs> Um, yeah. um, yeah, you, you, you know, you, you, you cannot escape your own truth, whether you're like thinking of leaving Hillsong, you're 20 years down the track, whatever, you know, it's, I would never <laughs> even guess listening to your podcast that you had to struggle through questioning, am I making this oh, up? Man. Like, oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's like the worst is like, is there a God? Well, who am I going to believe now? Mm. Because what? Well, I don't believe it. Well, then how am I? What? So, you know. All the questions just, you're left with at the end of a deconstruction. Right. Um, yeah, no we one gives us a map for, for living this out on the other side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we all have to it's, figure it out it's on so our own. great to connect with you guys. Like just, you know, not having to <laughs> explain your weirdness. As <laughs> yeah. I'm enjoying your weird, podcast. Have you, have you gotten other New York, like, feedback from people that are tuning in from North America? Like, is it Australia? All Aussies you're getting feedback from? Or are you getting oh, no, from? Um, well, the U.S. Um, the U.S. was coming in at number one for a while, which was great. But they're, like, I'm still only in, like, the couple of thousand listens or downloads an episode or something. And I'm like, how come Americans, like, um, you know what I mean? Like, more Americans die from, like, being attacked by cows and listen to my podcast. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it's, right? you know what? It's still something, right? I, I think, you know, yeah. if it's, if it's even just, if even just, you know, 25, 
30, 50 well, people, you know, this there, thing. And, you know, it's a valuable listen. I, you know, I know it means a lot. Sorry, I keep cutting you off, but so no, that no, fine, fine. terrible, didn't it? But like, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Cause my stats are like a roller coaster, like up. Oh, people want this. They want to know that they're not the only one. Um, and then it's like, boom, and then back up on Showtime. And, yeah. And you know, people are like, you're listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think we're at, we're, we're definitely at, I don't know if we're at fever pitch yet because I, like, I know there's still so much more to come. I don't know if you're familiar with, um, the Axe 29 network. Um, but it was, it was sort of a big deal here in the, in the U S for a Mark while. Driscoll? Mark Driscoll, you? Mars Hill church. Yeah. So I, I came out of pri- pri- before I, I got to Hillsong, um, I was working for an X 29 network church. We, we were a Mark Driscoll, Matt Chandler. We were that kind of a church. And then, you know, uh, you know, years before the, the implosion at, at Hillsong North America, um, Mars Hill imploded and then, now just we're we're now sitting here and within like was it last week or two weeks ago? Um I think it was actually just this week, this past week. Um the I don't know, my timeline is all messed up in my brain, but but Matt Chandler had to step down from uh from yeah from yeah. the village and church. Mark School was the guy before him. Yeah. And like Christianity Today ran I mean, we started our first podcast addressing um, and we still talk about it. Yeah, we, we still, still interviewed it. someone recently about bringing down that mega church, but like it is one of the was one of the most religious um listened to podcasts worldwide was about the fall the rise and fall of of uh, mars hill and and it's because it was like hillsong in the sense it's funny because zach was the guy who brought down mars hill was like i don't get the hillsong stuff though but like we were trying to say there are some similarities in what happens when someone at the top is messed up they culturally have a huge influence they're able to market and replicate across not just the u.s but they can branch into canada they can branch into australia they get all over the place in evangelicalism and then watching the collapse, I'm sure there are lots of people in Mars Hill who never saw the whole place crumbling and shutting down. Hillsong is not completely shut down, but where it was versus where it is now, I think, it, like you said, it is. there's still a lot more in front to come. Um, oh, how are you feeling trial? about all of that? Well, this trial in December, like I know, like Brian's cruising around the world at the moment going like, hi, can I come preach at your church, please? Hi. Hello. <laughs> hey, hi. Sorry. Can I? Uh, hi. Can I? What? <laughs> It's, dentist, it's, you it's, it's, now you're going to the dentist now, right? Um, but wait till he goes on trial and every other single one of them in the whole world has to watch mm-hmm. real time. This is real now. This was like because our Royal Commission was an investigation into institutional responses to child sexual abuse. So it's like, you know, an inquest. Um, what came out of that inquiry was then sent off to the police to investigate where appropriate late charges were. But, you know, there wasn't going to be, I mean, I don't even think there's any great consequence for perjury, even though, you you know, people give evidence under oath. Hmm. And those boys were so uncomfortable. If you watch their testimony, it's all on the Hillsong Accountability YouTube. They were all so uncomfortable, except for George, in the witness box because they were like, Fish out of water, um, not used to being told what to do, not used to their charming kind of cab ride conversation not going down so well. Um, you know, Brian, like one of my favorite moments is when Brian's like, I had PTSD. And the lawyer's <laughs> like, so going back to the uh, letter of May 9th, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Brian and I just told you like I'm not happy 
And you didn't um, clap what? and tell me that you're praying for me at this moment and just all rally to my side in sympathy about how I'm the victim of this whole story? It didn't happen this way? It's a criminal trial. Um, the entire place is under, like, it's narcissistic Olympic Games, right? So there's all these old men. Um, they were all there from the beginning. They all want their piece of the pie. They're all looking at retirement and they're like, cool, who can I throw under the bus to get ahead, right? Because I don't have any empathy either, boys. Um you know, it's going to, it's, and Brian knows this and he's like irrelevant. He's like Taylor Swift with no bookings, right? He's like, what am I doing? So by December, he's going to explode with lack of narcissistic supply. Like you can only get so much supply out of Bobby, right? Um, so yeah, then all the others will be like, man, we've all been like, Concealing all of our fellow offenders, mm. you know, it, it'll be a, it'll, it'll be a shake up. It'll be really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I hope, I really hope the message gets through whatever happens. I mean, he's unlikely to go to prison. And if he does, he's unlikely to stay there for long. I would mm. think in this country, yeah. the humiliation would be the punishment. Um, mm. You know, his, his fine name, his apostleship. Um, but I really hope the message gets out that this is a crime. It's not a sin. It's not an error of judgment. It wasn't a mistake. Um, these are crimes. There's no praying about it. Um, Can this you is what elaborate on that point? Because I think it's such an important one. And anyone listening to this <laughs> probably needs to sit on this for a second. It's not a sin. It's a crime. Can you explain why, like, why you're saying that and why people need to take it? Take it to heart. Yeah, I I mean, I, I'm so distressed to see this message of forgiveness like confetti being preached. You're just supposed to throw it around and throw it around and, you know, be continually in, on the front foot of forgiveness. And it's, again, not accidental. They, they want you to have this open heart to be ready for, like, the next time they make a mistake or do something wrong or spend the money somewhere else or whatever it is, because, uh, you know, you'll just forgive. Um, and it's such a dangerous predatory ideology um, that, you know, it leaves people so open to abuse. And yet were these things to take place anywhere else, they would be crimes. Organizations would be shut down. Mm -hmm. Um Oh yeah, these places would not be getting tax-free status. They'd be getting, you know, shut down and investigated, and people would be sent to prison. Now, I, you know, I, I've heard all of the reasons why. Um, you know, you don't take a brother to court, or you don't want to attack the body of Christ, or whatever it is. Um, touch not the Lord's anointed. I, I just keep, yeah, I keep coming back to the same thing. It's like, well, truth. Will you know, truth will come out. Which side of history do you want to be on? Mm -hmm. It's no longer a case of if anymore, because these boys are still living like it's 1987. And, uh, you know, they can get away with just moving from town to town. Mm. Uh-uh. Nope. Uh-uh. Um, and, I, and I think the other fascinating thing has been watching, like, say, with Me Too and movements like that. Mm -hmm. um, the more people that come forward, the more people come forward. Right. Um, and if you don't get. feel like what happened, like if you don't feel like what happened to you was a crime, think about it if it like happened to your best friend. Because um, we're totally taught to devalue ourselves. Yeah. Um, greater love has no man than to lay down and lie for his brother, but maybe I, not himself so much. I love the point that you made there. Sorry to, to You made to so cut many you good points. Oh, you made so many I'm good jumping points. in because like she just was like spitting. Like, oh my God, just like fire. Just, just, <laughs> just keep report spitting fire. Repent. 
If I mean, I went, through, I went through it with a friend of mine taking the morning after pill every Monday morning um, and having to pray for forgiveness on, you know, Saturday nights, church on Sunday, morning after pill on Monday. No, right? No more. It's like, yeah. no. And you guys who are covering it up, like, oh, my God, sorry, not that mm. I think you're listening. The people right. who are covering it up, like I keep thinking about, like, how frightened we all are to do things, how these adults have so many excuses for why they look the other way or why they didn't do it till Tuesday or how they didn't want to upset anyone or offend a friend or be upset. Can you imagine how much courage it takes a little kid to tell someone? Mm. Mm. Right. And you cover it up? These guys cover it up? Right. Huh? Yeah. I, I, so you made a point earlier, and I, I, it's a callback to, to one of the first conversations. Time. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a callback to one of the first to, the first conversation that we had on our podcast about Hillsong um, and my friend Lizeth and and what prompted her to speak up um, after she was sexually harassed by a Hillsong, New Jersey pastor. And the reason she said um, what she said was um, because like, what if it what if it wasn't me? What if it right. was? And she started right. thinking about the other girls that she had worked with, that she had volunteered with. What if it was one of them? Um, that experienced this, that got these text messages, that got the, you know, the, or that got these, you know. She didn't even have the savvy that she had. I mean, she right. didn't put it that way, but like she kind of had a little worldly experience to realize what was going on and what the yeah. game was being played. But she thought of how Christians were groomed. Mm-hmm. And if someone else had dealt with this kind of sexual abuse, they would have been quiet and been right. told, I must have done something to cause yeah. this and just sort of brushed it away. And I think of your story and how much you doubted yourself. And now you're just fire. You're just spitting it out. You're just like letting people know that this and in watching how other people speaking emboldens others to speak, it's happened towards you as you've created your podcast, but you're also emboldening other people to be able to tell their stories Um, as well. And that's the only thing. thing, It's the only thing I can see that brings other people forward. I, Unless it's something that's happened to them personally or one of their, you know, family members, some a crisis or something, people don't really speak out unless they see yeah. other people doing mm-hmm. that. And you guys are doing the same work as well. It's it's fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, we were all taught um, that, it, it, you know, it's our original sin and we got to, like, getting back to the beginning, like, you know what I mean? We got hell dangling over us the whole time. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and so we repent, like, we, you know, um, um, repent, repent. And now I'm like, report, not repent. That's my hashtag. Yeah. Report, yeah. Not repent. I love um, it. Yeah. I love it. Uh, it's-, it's easier said than done. I understand that. But even if that idea can get into people's heads, um, cause I literally like, like me, I, I have a social work degree and I'm still like, imagine if you had to take someone to court for something they did a long time ago, like, I would feel bad because, like, I'm supposed to have forgiven them, and that means I'm bitter, and I've got the roots of bitterness in my soul. And you just described mm. what grooming looks like with an mm-hmm. evangelicalism yeah. to prepare for people to never report, to never express what's wrong. The whole fear of being bitter, the fear of not forgiving. These are, I think, the word I'm trying to think. Spiritual abuse fits, maybe even spiritual bypassing. This idea of using spiritual yeah, yeah. concepts as a way to avoid yeah. reality, mm-hmm. as a way to avoid accountability, and so and it's clever. Yeah, it works. It really does work. It does cause people to shut down. People are colluding. People feel like they're then colluding, you know, and then they, you know, it gets. Hillsong has has had this incredible ability to make people like part colluder and part victim. Mm -hmm. Sometimes part perp, part victim or, you know, um, it's it's obviously very complicated stuff, but it's very clever. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it's deliberate. Yeah. 
I, I'd and be I remiss if I didn't mention, um, you know, our, our, our good friend and, and fellow podcaster, uh, Janice Legata, who mm. was, you know, uh, uh-huh. like deep in, in the Hillsong world. And that was some, that's something that she mentions a lot on her podcast that she said on our podcast that Hillsong has this magical ability. And you said it right there, this like incredible ability to make you both the victim and the perpetrator, the, yeah. to, yeah to be complicit in the abuse that you're also experiencing. They almost teach you how to do it. I think I was reading, I don't, I follow a few Instagram accounts and I wish I could remember which one so I could give them credit. Um, but one of them was talking about the steps Hillsong takes to keep you from questioning stuff okay. in the media and to, to view outsiders as critics that you shouldn't take seriously. Kind of like what they did with you. i um, trying to shut you down. You didn't even realize until later how many, how many people have been warned against you. But like just the idea that, oh, the outsiders don't have the spirit of God in them the way you do. So they don't get it. They don't understand how God is moving and working. And so they've like created a whole system to cause people to not listen to any outside critics. Anyone except their pastors, their leaders, the people who are already involved in this whole yeah. thing. It's very hard for them to listen. So, yeah. yeah. Even, um, even like people they speak to and there's journalists looking to talk to people and so um a lot of people are terrified that the media are going to destroy them. And this is like years after leaving. They're still, mm. have, there's a, this deep distrust of the media, um, external media. It's really interesting how that continues. Yeah. They've done a good job at running their brainwashing camps and indoctrinating mm. people into, like, once they've left, even be scared to, con- like, speaking out even once they've left feels feels challenging, which says a lot about how successful yeah. they've been at yeah, putting yeah. that message out there yeah. and instilling that fear. Um, this has been a really deep, meaningful yeah. conversation i am so appreciative mm-hmm. um i think i had a last question was you have one i don't want to be the no, last go word go but i wanted to ask you from your book um what is the overall message that you if you had to sum up your book and what you were trying to convey um for anyone who might want to order uh, i know like the publisher finally made it available in the u.s well it what should have been on amazon the whole time and they then they did this thing called print to order and everything changed and i got old um mm. and now i'm like huh what? 3D what? Um, so what do you mean print to order? They got like a Xerox over there in America and what? With the fax machine? Um, sorry. So um, the message from the book is it's okay to question. I mean, that's it's, it's that very simple kind of it's okay to question. I'm not going to tell you question what? Question everything? Question your mother? I don't know. But, you know, it's okay to question if we can start there. Um because it just seems like truth will come out. Truth will just come out one way or another. It's going to happen. So, uh, you you know, you don't have to beat yourself up for having questions. Mm. That vibe comes out in your podcast too, not just your book. Um, I definitely feel like your guests can come from any direction. If they're still evangelical, you leave space for them. If they're still religious, you leave space for them. If they're past all of that, like I love and the ones I've listened to, I really appreciate that. You just leave the don't, floor don't open tell for us the- how to think. You know, don't tell me how to think. Don't tell me how to feel. So I cannot go around telling you how to think and exactly. feel. So we're going to put a link to your book in our show notes for people who want to check that out and be encouraged uh, who've come out of not being told they shouldn't think and question and that it's sinful doubting uh, to check out your book. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you're not uh, somebody who goes into show notes and podcasts and you're just listening or you're driving and you don't, you know, don't want to like open up your phone while you're driving, please don't. Uh, (laughs) uh, The book is called um, People in Glass Houses. And the podcast is called Leaving Hillsong. You guys Um, are the best. 
And yeah. it's been fantastic to listen to our money, my long distance drives, you know, visiting <laughs> Nate and listening to your updates. And cool. thank you for keeping thank us all informed. Um, yeah. Thank oh, you for keeping thank up you. to date on stuff and for bothering to get that out to, to the people so that those who <laughs> want to break down can listen. They can hear your 80s music at the start yeah. of your intro, which I love. Um, um, and that is um, that is all Jeff Bullock stuff. That's from the 80s. And Jeff has been supportive of me like since oh, wow. you know 2005 and he was like you can use my music and i'm like cool let's let's trigger from the beginning then huh oh, that's amazing <laughs> that is awesome. so cool yeah. Love it. Thanks, thank guys. you so much tanya that wraps up another episode of the full mutuality podcast if you haven't already please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and if you don't already have one head over to our website fullmutuality.com for a list of all the apps you can find us on we couldn't do this without you our listeners so thank you so much for your continued support Speaking of support, one of the best things you can do for us is to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. I'm pretty sure five-star reviews get you an extra crown in heaven. But seriously, if you found this episode insightful, spread the word and share it with your friends. And don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Full Mutuality. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Full Mutuality Podcast. Full Mutuality.